0: And now, Kyle and Steven present another episode of the Go Yourself Podcast. Um, it's Fix. Really? Well, that's embarrassing. The Go Fix Yourself Podcast.
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Go Fix Yourself Podcast. I am one half of your host, Kyle, and sitting with me is Stephen Cornfield. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Yeah, today's episode is a good one with Emma Hill, somebody that we found out we had a lot of history together she is a local musician she's grown up in alaska her whole life and branched out to portland you're going to find out a lot of uh backstory for emma and find out where our connections are and stephen
0: what did you think about the whole musical trip for her oh man i well first off i think we did a little bit of research right we like to do a little bit of research for everybody we have on so we're not just going in completely blind I think it's nice to have a little bit of space there to learn. And man, hell, did I learn a lot from her and about her um, where she grew up and also how she got into music and how she's not just only working on music, but also she's using her music now and putting some philanthropic elements behind it and for it. And so it's really kind of cool to see that, too yeah so i really enjoyed kind of learning about emma and talking to her yeah the episode uh was one of
1: our longest to date at that point and we had only covered just a portion of her life and her music career so she seems like somebody we will probably have to have back on and cover a little bit more of uh some of the projects she's involved in but without further ado here's emma hill
0: Well, listener, we are very, very excited. Sitting across from me right now is the wonderfully talented musician, Emma Hill. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, the applause. You can hear it. (laughs) These are really <laughs> these are really good mics they kind of block it yeah, out so. yeah, yeah. but there's thank a you, lot everyone. of yeah. soundproof room is a, where we, we are we're recording in front of a live audience nowadays <laughs> and uh yeah that well. wasn't
2: that wasn't told to me but I'm, yeah. I'm seeing it now i'm feeling it now um yeah, yeah. hi guys thanks hi. for having me
0: oh absolutely thank you for coming and t- taking time out of your busy schedule because you are busy and we are going to get into that and what makes you busy <laughs> but you are busy so thank you for being here and thank you for uh allowing us to talk your ear off and you Hopefully you can talk. Ours You're going to off talk off. ours off. Mainframe. I'm here for I hope it. I so. Yeah. I'm here for it. I there I'm are pretty time, good at it. There are times where I can get a little carried away, and like Kyle would be like, "Okay, buddy, like you've said enough. Let's go." Somebody
1: from the audience says, "Shut up,
0: Stephen." So, shut, <laughs>
1: shut up. Yeah. <laughs> oh my, sir, sit down. <laughs> yeah, that's incoming at some point. Yeah. So Emma, tell us a little bit about your beginning, where you started. I read a little bit about you. And we're we're gonna get into how we already knew each other to some extent. But okay, I read. Do you not want to start that off? I don't want to start exactly there because okay. it sounded like you were raised in a village.
2: I was. Yeah, I was like, there's definitely a, there was a okay. lot more to it prior to the uh, the to, to, college. UA, to college Okay, so we're gonna work yeah. our
0: way up. I just, I just thought maybe like I was like, oh, clear the air, everybody like everybody know? starts but life hey, at twenty. Every, hey know? listener, <laughs> just you know what. They knew each other, and we're gonna figure we're, gonna, <laughs> we're find gonna find out f- how. So stay tuned. Yeah, for Yeah, stay that.
2: tuned, listener.
0: The, in, the after the ads. Yeah, there are no ads.
2: Um. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. Like the, the quick. Like you know. I think I'm glad when this is not the only thing that's like known about me for a long time, especially as like a young artist. This was like kind of like ooh her story. You know, uh, I was raised out in Sleepy, which is on the Upper Caskum River, so about 200 miles due west of here. Um, okay. On yeah, the yeah. other side of the Alaskan Range, so not at all near the road system. Uh, What's it called? Sleetmute.
0: Sleet. Can you spell that for
2: me? S l e e t m u t
0: e. Oh, just like it sounds, almost. Yeah,
2: okay. yeah. Cool. It was like kind of a strange Russian spelling of the like of the slate rock, which is what the river was lined with in that area, and so. Yeah, I mean it's a Yupik village. Um,
1: Population.
2: At the time I was there, hundred. These days it's sitting more than about eighty.
1: Whoa! Wow. Yeah. So tiny.
2: Mom was a school teacher. Dad was a pilot. It was supposed to be like a two year adventure. My dad's still there. We can't get him out. Whoa. Uh, mom just left like seven years ago. Do you ever
0: go back and like visit?
2: Yeah. I mean. Um, Can you
0: paint the picture for someone who doesn't know, who's listening, who doesn't know what a, an Alaskan village is or looks like? Small. That small. Kind of like, are we talking like 10 buildings or 15 buildings? What what are we looking at? Okay,
2: the entirety of of the town is probably about a mile in length. Um, there's a dirt airstrip, um, gravel airstrip, but every, you know, you have to come in and out via airplane. Um, as far as larger, like shipping things, we get like several barges throughout the summer season. So anything really large that can't be flown in, that's the only way that you can get those things there. So for, you know, if you imagine building projects, anything larger, like there's a whole process to that. But as far as being a human, um, yeah, you pretty much are like contained to this really small space that is it's, made up of the schoolhouse. The post office, um, at different times, there's now a really nice, like kind of tribal office, but for years it was this weird multi-use building that eventually Mm -hmm. burned down, um, and then, um, yeah, speckling of houses. But there's, you know, there's no businesses in town outside of, we ended up when I was nine opening the only, like, store and, like, lodge in the area. Oh. So we were we were the store. My living room was the store. Oh,
1: <laughs> So as your, your mom was, you said, a teacher. So did she teach, like, K through 12? Or, like, how, was there a multitude of teachers there?
2: So our schoolhouse was a two-room. And so we always had two main teachers and then usually two teacher's aides. Oh, gotcha. Um, throughout that, and that changed somewhat as far as maybe there was less or more teacher's aides, but the two main teachers, the idea is that usually depending on the number of kids, it was, uh, you know, you'd have like K through fifth or sixth in one room and then everything else. Wow. So yeah, like when I was in seventh grade, you know, I was, they kind of just were like, who do we have? All right. We're doing like. Can you this spell this level you're in or like this level of math, and yeah. then a lot of doing your own work independently, yeah. gotcha. you know, like oh, you're at this level of math, like this is your book, and like come check in with me. But a lot of like self taught, oh, like wow. be
0: like, Stephen, uh, well, you're a S- senior, to but the fifth grade yeah, for the fourth said, time, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. I would have I, I got math was not my thing, so I got held back more <laughs> than I should have. Well, liked.
2: It's, It's funny and weird because, yeah, there's, like, so many gaps there, but it can go in both directions. Like, I look back on it, and I'm like, well, technically, like, I moved into Palmer for high school, and in some ways I was ahead in math because I just had to do all that stuff on my own. So, like, I was able to just, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm through this book. Like, let's do that. And so when I entered, like— I actually was able to like put a couple of my eighth grade like just accomplishments towards actual high school credits because they were like, oh wait, like you've already done this, and I you're was like, that you're a smart one. Yeah. I was just like, that's where I was at, and like I don't yeah. know, and so that's it's cool. it's funny, but then other things like you know, bunch of basic social skills, and then mm. like also like in other ways, yeah, super like far behind, especially like sciences and stuff because there'd been no like labs or any, you know, right? Yeah. We did like the occasional like. Or doing stuff outside or <laughs> really like, conducting yeah. experiments. Like we had some cool stuff, but nothing Gosh, like look
0: at these trees. Aren't these cool? <laughs> probably not a lot of trees, but actually yeah. no, we
2: there were you're your thing in Lower Cusco, which is very barren. We are like in the rolling Cuscoquim Hills with a really lovely, like forested area. Okay. And then as you kind of get out away from us, you can you definitely find tundra and stuff, but are right. like kind of right along we're right on the like the riverbank. And yeah, we have directly across from town is this beautiful um, hill that's all forested. And so that like reflects down on the water. That's kind of when I think of, you know, like paint a picture, like my house Mm -hmm. from my house, you look out and you just see, the Cusco is like a very wide kind of like slow moving river. And Mm -hmm. so it's really, really beautiful. Like on a, you know, when it's glassy and stuff, there's reflection of that hill. That's probably like the main thing I think of, like when I think of home, that part of my home. Um, and yeah, I still go out there sometimes. I haven't been out since, let's see, uh, I brought some buddies and my now husband out um, in 2020 because it was COVID and we didn't really like, there wasn't a lot to do. Yeah. And so like, hey. my dad was like, do you want to come hang out and like help me, <laughs> help me try to sell my, my lodge. And I was like, we should probably film it. I was like, you can talk all you want in like writing up and like no one understands like what this place is or like anything about sure. it. Sure. And so he's like, sure, I'll give you a budget. And so I took Ryan Cybertson actually and yeah. Alex Troutman, and then a couple of my buddies to just be in the video. And we just went and like literally spent five days like blueberry picking and fishing, and like seeing where oh I'm from, man. and just filmed all. It. That's it's very nice. beautiful. There's a really oh, cool. Sure. There's a really cool like minute thirty video that what, came out what, of it.
0: What What video is that? So people can watch that.
2: Oh God, I'd have to. If you look up like, I think the best way it's gonna bring it up would be like Hill Enterprises Sleep Mute Lodge that on YouTube. That'll probably pull it up. I
0: can't Hill Enterprises. A lot of,
2: yeah. yeah, I mean that's the that's my that's cool. that was my family's. Um, what's the Google name?
1: rankings for sleep mute? You know, like real how many other videos but, could be there. Yeah. You know, it's the
2: technology these days. I mean, you can also just put in sleep mute Alaska right now if you want to like really trip out, like, and just like realize when I say isolated, <laughs> what that actually means. Cause yep. you can see, you know, and, like if you look at Google Earth, if you're like, oh, oh there's gonna be one really there. large yep. blue. Actually, I think they just painted recently. So, but anyways, there's best, you can tell what's the schoolhouse, the second largest building that is there. That was my house in store. And it's like 50 yards from the airstrip and 50 yards from the river. And right. Then-
1: what, like, did you get involved in music while you were there as a child? Or was that something that maybe developed later as you grew up? I can no, imagine did- there was probably not a lot to do there. So you kind of were thinking about stuff to to get involved with.
0: Is that, is that the schoolhouse? Oh, he's pulling up pictures. I pulled up pictures. Sleep. I just Googled sleep mute. Just yeah, everybody. No,
2: like that picture, that is of my, that's like my house. That's the, her house, The, the right? big, the the big blue, house with the blue. the blue.
0: Yeah. This is actually, is this recent because of the, the flooding? Storm? I'm guessing it
2: was from the flooding. No, yeah. no, that was from the flooding that happened earlier this spring. Oh, okay. Oh.
0: Because...
2: They they had. That's crazy. They had first, like some of the first flooding we've had. Like I I think it was about as bad as the big one we had in two thousand one, which was, uh, in my lifetime, was the big flood.
1: Oh, the great flood. The great flood of two (laughs) thousand one.
2: There's some great home video of that 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 my my brother decided to uh, decided to document. That every now and then we pull out and watch on the old VCR. Two
1: thousand one. Yeah, that doesn't sound
0: like that long ago, but it kind of is in our life. A long time ago. Twenty one years ago. When you say VCR. Like and you have to pull out a VHS again. There's, there's kids alive
1: who don't even know what that is. I know, but this is what blew my mind, and this is kind of off topic. Monsters Inc. came out in two thousand one. <laughs> and I just watched that. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no way this movie was made twenty one years ago.
2: Um, first I mean, of all, you've been missing out. Great
1: film. No, no, no. I agree. <laughs> It's good. You I'm just, just
0: watched it? No, yeah. I'm just
1: kidding. I, 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 wanted to, I had a few spoilers, so I had to forget it, you know, for a few years. But I'm like, there's no way this movie came out the same year, Yeah. literally the same month almost as 9-11. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. you watch yeah. that footage and you're like, and then Pixar. I'm like, uh, this there, yeah. there's no way this came out 20 years ago.
0: And it did. It's crazy. The technology that we live in nowadays, man. Uh, it's insane. It is. But what we were kind of getting to is I, I want
1: to know if music started in Sleep Okay, or yeah, Or yeah. if it kind of developed See, later. See, we're up. doing
2: that thing where it's Sleep music It's such a weird thing that it, half of it this is, is going to be about it's that. Enticing. And not, it's enticing. It's anyway, enticing to talk about. It is enticing. But yes, I have always loved music. Like the, the, you know, part of my story is that like basically mom said that that was kind of like my version of talking, like even before I really like was speaking speaking actual sentences i kind of just went around the world like singing, singing. and making yeah. make cool. just making songs cool. up and so um yeah most of my childhood everything about my childhood as you know there as you were saying there's not much to do there was surrounded with my love of music and that was both creating music and just um any music that i could get in which was a really big deal we didn't have radio and stuff yeah. so like i literally would order tapes and cds and and then like, just fixate them on them and create find all my favorite tracks and then create mixtapes for myself so that I could go and like sit by the river and like listen to all these cool songs that I was really digging. So I've always loved the curation of a really good playlist. I've always loved, um, the power of lyrics. Sure. Um, and for me I was really lucky. The only reason I knew I think what music was was because my parents tape collection. Cause when they went out there, they had like, just like a small, Um, boom box basically and then like this little like briefcase that like had like you know it's like a little tape divider oh yeah it probably had something like probably like 18 tapes or something Mm -hmm, in it mm -hmm. and a lot of it was like their favorite stuff from it was a lot of like 60s 70s like folk rock right but then there was a little bit of like newer you know kind of things in there that I was I mean my first real album that I fell in love with as a five-year-old was Ridge River Troubled Water by like Simon Garfunkel. I knew right. every single word. I didn't understand what it meant, but like sure. I knew it. I like tried to mimic all the the melodies, you know. That was like Yeah. That so
1: the Great Awakening. I could see you down by the river, with boom box on your shoulder, kind of just, just pumping Jim up the volume. And Simon and Garfunkel.
0: Did you yeah. say that? Say but anything style. Did you
2: literally say that? But it's so like it's like sad, funny, but like not when I was five. No. I was just doing it in that in the house, not on my shoulder. Obviously, I was five, but like
1: the it, say anything, like it's, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, it's just it's just funny, but Hello, like there are darkness,
1: whole, <laughs> there are
2: like whole chunks of my like tween and young teenagehood that's literally just like I was sitting on a riverbed with like my little CD slash yeah. tape oh, yeah. boombox, not above my head, but just like but, that's yeah, that's, that's what different. I was doing for entertainment. I was yeah, like, I get
0: that. When you, so when you started actually like making the music, guitar, piano, singing, like drumming on the table,
2: it's everything, like everything around my music always started with my voice. Like, I just, I just love to sing. And I think the first time I ever got up in front of a group of people and sang to them, I was, I don't even know if I was five yet. I was either four and a half or five and a half like in that range it was one of the christmas pageants i just like went up getting over
0: that stage fright early i
2: just i didn't exist for me i was just i was just like i i meant to sing i mean (laughs) they were like what do you want to be when you grow up a singer i mean like i'm the villa of a village i don't think i i don't really understand how i understood what a singer was well that's not true i would have seen it on Mm -hmm. tv sure i think one of the few things we got we had Rat TV, which was like rural Alaskan television. Oh. Which is really just name. one <laughs>
1: You watching not, Rat
2: tonight? <laughs> it's like not, <laughs> not, not the band. Not, not great. Man. Yeah, not that. great. Yeah. Um but the the like let me explain what Rat TV is to you since yeah. I don't think I'm you curious. know. I've never heard. Um it's one channel that someone out of Either Bethel or Anchorage. I believe it was in Bethel, but now thinking about it, no, probably in Anchorage. It was probably just like technically based out of Bethel. But someone somewhere was basically deciding that we were going to get parts of all of the different like public channels sandwiched together, (laughs) which meant that for like a few months on Tuesday nights, you might get really into like the Fox like sitcoms. But then the next thing, if someone else was like, no, actually on Tuesday nights, we're switching over to PBS or whatever it was. So like... You might get you like get you might get like a season of something and be like, "Is it coming back? I yeah. don't know. Maybe to the rest of the world, but not to me."
0: Would they do this like mid season, like you know, like Rat it, did whatever they want? <laughs> okay, it was, like, <laughs> it was like like in my head, that it was, was like, their motto. Like, uh, what was one of the things like growing up? I don't know. I loved like um, you know anything Nickelodeon, right? Any commercial, so you'd watch it, but then like it would stop. Would it stop like the season? You'd be like. What the hell happens next? Are, are there shows out there that you still don't know how it I, ends? Because the,
2: the crazy thing is, I feel like the answer is yes, but I don't know if it was mid season. I feel like it was more like maybe it got picked up for another season, but okay. we didn't know because okay, it they, was just so done, they, or we never we didn't <laughs> the, the, get it.
0: Whoever was in charge would be like, "Oh, we'll let the season finish out." Okay,
2: basically, yeah. That's I mean, nice.
1: what
0: happened in Gaelic against Well, the, well, the babies- <laughs> are
2: they still there? <laughs> Well, also like you got you had a little Rat TV like a little booklet that was like your guide. Oh, my God. And oh So you did have a TV so guide. So it was like a little TV guide, and I mean, oh, you can say Nickelodeon. We were not lucky. We did not get Nickelodeon. We were that was like, considered like a. Uh, cable. That was that premium. Was a, that was a premium, premium. thing. Yeah. But we did get like really rat.
1: Welcome to rat. <laughs> Religiously
2: though, we got <laughs> it to- sounds like
0: MTV. Yeah. It sounds like something it, that, that, that would that needs to be a skit. I yeah. yeah. Oh, that. Would I mean, be I'm funny. telling you right now.
2: You can say. I mean, all of this is like it's. so I mean, you say MTV. I was like, Do you want to know how I like heard about MTV? Somebody came rat. into town and hung- no, no, no MTV was, was never is- on rat. Of course, <laughs> it was not that. This cool. is R A T. Not that <laughs> yeah. cool. No, like someone came to town and I think they were like in here for a little bit and we're staying with someone that had cable and they made a VHS tape just of like the top, whatever, like it was Mm -hmm. like top 20, whatever the, you know, like big show was where they just basically played. TRL. It was probably TRL. Jinx. This was, if TRL was already, yeah, this was was like mid nineties, right? And so they basically like did this like long, you know, it was like a two hour, like this is, these are all the coolest music Mm -hmm. videos. right now. Brought that thing back and let my brother and I borrow it, like. Like Beck's song "Loser" was on there, and I was like, my mind was blown. Like I had never heard music anything like that. Like I was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. Oh my god! Oh my god! What is this? And just watching it over and over and over. And that's like that's for years what I knew of MTV until I like finally got to the rest of the world.
0: Oh my! Bring back Rat TV. (laughs) No, no, no one
2: needs to suffer through (laughs) Rat TV. We all want it.
0: We all want it. That would be a funny video though. I agree. Picture that. (laughs) Welcome to Rat TV. Yeah. <laughs> you watching a show? Uh, Not anymore. <laughs> uh okay, so you're 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 in rural Alaska at Sleep Sleep Mew. And, and then you go to Palmer? Go to Palmer. Yeah, that's where I was headed. And I was like, Yeah. How did that transition happen? And that's gotta be a big transition from like 80 to 100 people to like 80 to 100 people in your class, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. Like
2: uh it was a lot. Um Palmer made sense, at least for me, I had spent a lot of time in Palmer, like, when we talked about going to town, which is literally what we said, that meant, usually meant, like, getting to fly into Palmer with my dad, um, which, as a family, we tried to do twice a year, like, kind of on, during vacation times, um, my, his parents, my grandparents were there. The big city, Palmer, Alaska. The big city, I know. Yeah. And, uh... We came into Anchorage. We had family in here as well. So we'd have to, you know, we'd come in and they would do, like, their errands and stuff. And then we would, like, meet up with the aunties to, like, get lunch at, uh, mm. somebody just reminded me what it was called. It was that freaking buffet place. I It was called, Royal like, fork. Royal Fork. Royal oh, fork. yeah. The aunties loved It'll Royal Fork, fork, fork man. Yeah. I was, like, looking back and then I was, like, <laughs> why did we not get to go anywhere cool? I'm, like, this kid in the middle of nowhere and they were just making me eat at Royal, Royal fork, fork every yeah. time, y'all, like. Whatever, it's 12 fine. bucks, all you can eat. Yeah. I was going to say, Go man,
0: we always went to, uh, what was it after World 4? Because it was like another there all was- you can eat. And that's the one we
1: went to. Yeah, because it was like literally, like, I forget the name. There was Royal Fork, and then there was another all you can eat. Oh,
2: but it wasn't the. It's not Golden Corral. It's or not whatever. Golden Corral. No. I've never it was, been to it it was right
0: it. before it, but it was like you know, mom couldn't decide, dad couldn't decide, kids couldn't decide, so hey, everybody gets what they want. You know, yeah. it's like makes sense. Yeah, no, you no, only got one shot. Do not miss your chance <laughs> to blow. Yeah. You know, you got one opportunity. <laughs> Man, to, that to, dude, eat, <laughs> to eat at Royal every, Fork. To eat at
2: Royal <laughs> Fork. Yes, that's what he was actually rapping oh, about. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I yeah, so. it's not a there's like not a pretty or romantic like thing basically I was dealing with from about the age of nine um mental illness that was not diagnosed and I didn't really understand what was happening and to me and so I was just really embarrassed and kind of hid it from my parents and did a lot of like weird lying um and so basically continued to stay there but my parents kind of started to realize like I think more and more that like something was really like wrong. Hmm. And so in, I don't know, it's was like, I guess it was probably 12. Anyhow, I had a suicide attempt and decided like it, during that, that I actually did want to live. And so I went and told someone and hmm. in that started this process of at first I still lived out there, but I had to come in like every two weeks to see like a therapist. And right. it was really hard. And My mom really hmm. wanted to move me in my dad was just like no like our entire life is out here and so basically I just lived that for a while and did the best that I could with it but finally I think it was just before I turned 15 or 14 and a half somewhere in there because I would come in and I had all these relatives I was super close with and cousins and stuff that were like kind of like you know these siblings that I got every now and then and I knew their friends and like I kind of like had a little bit of a a thing in Palmer and so I kind of just I came in for Christmas vacation and basically like didn't, I just called my parents and was like, Like, if I don't, if I come back, like I'm going to die. And I was like, and that's really hard to say. Like it was really emotional, but they didn't, I think they understood they didn't really have a choice at that point.
0: As a, as a young kid and being like, no, I need to make this decision for myself. I had to, I had
2: to break up with my parents. Well, yeah, that's tough.
0: They were not at 14. I was like, I still had no idea what I wanted to do. And like, I would, I mean, that is a lot to do to put on a 14 year old. And so kudos to you for even like being like, well, I need this for myself. And you noticed that, which I think is a really big thing.
2: I mean, yeah.
0: What I'm you a, could notice. We, yeah. we could, I mean, we yeah. could
2: talk for a long time about, I mean, you know, if people talk about growing up fast. It's like I was, I was the, uh, I was like the epitome of having to grow up fast. But um, your parents
1: basically said, yes.
2: I think it came down to the way that I presented it. That For just, sure. It yeah. wasn't really an option. So, okay.
1: Yeah, um, because even for a parent, like I'm a parent now and and here like if a kid came and said that, it's like, well, well, okay. Yeah. I mean, like you wouldn't want to force them to do something that.
2: Well, it was it was really heartbreaking for everyone and it wasn't like it was something easy for yeah. me. I mean, I, I mean, there's this whole other side of things there where I basically had to be aware that Probably in order to like survive, let alone thrive, I needed to not be there Mm -hmm. and I needed to be in a different environment. I was suddenly really aware that it was like my, that specific environment and that isolation Mm -hmm. that just did not work with my brain. And then, but also realizing, you know, I I grew up there. So when you grew up in a village of 80, you are close with everything. Those are your people. Like when you talk about, you talk about tribe, right? Like that was, and man, talk about like the, the race aspects. Like I was all kinds of confused. I was like. I was the Gussek, but I desperately wanted to be accepted as you pick. like in that sense of just like, I was one of them mm-hmm. and I, I weirdly kind of got away with it, but it was cause I like did, you know, I did all the stupid shit that like yeah. as kids, like, I don't know, it was this thing of constantly trying to like prove yourself and the reality though those were people were my family and I basically had to tell all of them, like I had to break up with them too, like not mm-hmm. in reality, but I, I mean, in a really big way, I had to be like, I can't stay here because this is making me sick <laughs> right? and yeah. and uh, it's just the reality. And yeah, it was like, I kind of tell people there's that chapter and then there's the Palmer chapter and then there's everything after. And Palmer played a really huge role because um, Palmer High probably like changed my entire life because like you said, while I was obsessed with music, there was no musical opportunity for me out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And when I moved in, my cousin who, uh, Megan, who's a year older than me, we've been best friends like since infancy, she also loved to sing. And so she was in the Palmer Choir. Mm. And so that was like, I kind of immediately had an in there and just like got to go and talk to the choir director. And he was like, yeah, sing something for me. And I sang and he was like, oh yeah, you're in. And so I immediately got to just <laughs> cool. channel. Like, you're hired. <laughs> yeah. I just got to channel into that. And that was literally like, that was, you know, when people think about the thing that they were in, yeah. in high school, like I was a singer. That's what I did. Like five days, we were in like a, the symphonic choir. And then we also were in like the smaller elite, like, uh,
0: select choir. Is that what you guys called it?
2: No, we called it. I think we were in. We said this
0: was freshman. Sorry, was this like I freshman was halfway year? through freshman year. Halfway through freshman. Yeah,
2: year. and then I ended up graduating a year early, so I was actually only at Palmer High for two and a
0: half years. Okay, did, did you ever go to uh, like uh, what was it? All 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 state. All state. Yeah. You ever do that? I did that one year, and I was. I remember that wild weekend, dude. Yeah, that Singing was some a crazy song. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh what? man, we did the uh, like the main song from Rent. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes. Still one of the best songs it's like that it's gets stuck, the stuck the in my head. Falsetto king. Is it a great song? Just, that wasn't even falsetto. <laughs> know, you want I me mean, to go falsetto? I don't I'll want you to. Falsetto. Steven's
2: like, um, <gasps> excuse me. Wait a
0: second. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I uh, do no, know?
2: I'm. I love that. I love that you know what Allstate is. I mean,
0: yeah. unless
2: you're like with someone that understands like it starts to turn into like band nerd shit and i wasn't in band i was in choir but we were all lumped together because yeah. you got to go do those things right you had all state for sure. we did the things where like our and our band teacher was everything to us his name was stan harris and he was like my heroes like so not only did he like give me purpose in this time that was i was not doing super hot um and then i should also before i get too far so the, the biggest thing for me my cushion and the reason that i actually even had that opportunity to say i'm leaving is my cousin. So my cousin, my cousin Meg and her sister, little sister Krista, they're my second cousins. So they're like closer to me in age, but their mom is my first cousin, and she, she was the one that came up basically was like. I, n- I can't, I'm not going to tell your parents what to do. I can't tell you what to do. But if you get to a point where you ever feel like you need to be here and not there, mm-hmm. you have a place in our mm-hmm. home oh, and we'll good. make it, we'll figure it out.
1: That's nice. Which nice. I mean, that's my really parents
2: nice. helped in a huge way. I mean, once that was figured she out, made they, space for you. she made space for me yeah. to actually even think that it was possible. Mm-hmm. And that's how that happened. So, cool. so that was a huge part of it. But then I got to be like sisters with Meg and Krista, like, which we already kind of felt that way, but it was great. Cause then Meg and I just were like. We were the choral nerds, and five days a week, we sang in choir for an hour after school.
1: Yeah. I I think I've told my choir story before, maybe. Uh, I had a girlfriend that was in select choir. That was what we called it at my school. Boring. All right. Wait, wait. Wait. I'm No, I'm ready. I'm here for this, Kyle. So I decided, you know what? Kyle's got some pipes. I'm going to go try out so I can go on all these awesome trips. I walk in. I'm thinking, it's going to be a group tryout, you know, all this stuff. And so the teacher sitting there at a piano, she's like, all right, let's go through your tryout here. And I go b- by myself, and she's like, "Yeah, you, you're supposed <laughs> to bring a song." And I, I'm, you know, I don't Dangle. know, thirteen? No, close. Oh, really? Close. Bro. Oh, happy ro, ro, ro. birthday. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> I just am like, and I can't sing worth <laughs> jack. I was just thought it was gonna be like an easy cakewalk. Like you're on, you know, because they were like, no one's gonna get kicked off. Yeah, you're gonna get to go on all the trips. I do this horrible rendition of uh, "Happy Birthday." Me and my friend do. <laughs>
0: At least you got the you got the first note right now. Yeah, no, really I
1: I nailed it. <laughs> so next day they put up the list of all the names that made it, and I'm going down with my finger. I'm like, "Come on, baby, come on, baby, come on." Alternates. Uh, Kyle Redding. <laughs> I almost made it. (laughs) You celebrated that you were like almost baby. They did not kick anybody off, but I was certainly an alternate that never got called. (laughs) Uh, So I I tried. You know, I put myself. Um,
2: I just need to know. Do you is that written on your resume somewhere? (laughs) Alternate alternate select choir, select
1: choir, seventh grade.
0: (laughs) He still has his business cards. Yeah,
1: pulls it out. It's on my LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Redding, alternate. (laughs) Slap choir, <laughs> happy birthday singer. Oh um, man. <laughs> anyways, I'm I, sorry that was a a little off track, but
2: no, I'm I'm loving that. Yeah. So those trips though, like yeah, those were like. I'm jealous. Talk, talk about yeah. talk about the perks. Uh, for man, we you know like. Stan Harris, he and his wife would, like, they had to do a lot of this, just totally volunteer to make a lot of this stuff happen. So, like, he got the thing where he was passed. He was allowed to drive the bus because, Mm. like, otherwise there would have to be his budget to, like, hire, like, a bus driver for the whole weekend. And he's like, nah. Not for the like, Yeah. And so he's just like, he's (laughs) like. Oh I like that. Yeah. I bet he would kind of like that. Oh. He was a, he was totally wackadoo, but insanely talented and really just like (laughs) dedicated to the, like us as kids and just being like, if there's an opportunity, I'm going to like, we're going to go for it. So yeah, he would like come in like for his band. I think he came in like an hour and a half early and had the priest, like before school, those people had to come in early for like the special, you know, the Mm -hmm. ones that were not in like the normal band class. And then just like us for like their symphonic choir. But if you were in like the jazz choir, um, yeah, You had to stay an hour, like five days a week, an hour after. Yeah, That's I never got lot. those
1: calls. That, that was weird.
0: <laughs> 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 they, they never invited me to those. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. I know. Hey, next uh, time, t- should we call Kyle? Uh, he's the next one on the list. Uh, skip that one. You know, I skip, think we're full. Skip that one. I think we're full. Skip- <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we'll be fine without him <laughs> this week. I know. Yeah. So, after
1: high school, obviously, I only know you went to college. Because we happen to go to college together. Yes,
0: and ladies and gentlemen, here we this are. This is where dun, the dun, at dun, the dun, moment the paths
1: we've have crossed. All been waiting for. You. And just a little bit of background. We had to talk about this before the podcast, just for a moment to make sure we were on the track, but we didn't talk about yeah. too much.
0: because Kyle doesn't want to tell you that he was a big nerd. I was still trying to make select choir <laughs> in college. <laughs> yeah. I was well, going to high schools. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's yeah. nice that that's what you're trying to cover up. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm having to be reminded. And we both were like, those days were a little hazy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, those days were a little a hazy because p- I was a freaking college yeah. alcoholic, but yeah. we can go down that road later. Yeah,
1: yeah, a little bit. Like, so... Y- I mean, you came to Anchorage, obviously for UA, so that was a little shock moving to an even bigger city. Cool. Not huge. Well, I
2: was I was really lucky. Like, I don't think I probably I probably ended up would have just gone to Mat Su, but I got a full scholarship for oh, voice. Very cool for oh, that wow. first year, and so that's cool. I could have continued it, but I actually. It's, anyways, that's a whole other story. I ended up like being. We, I got into a big thing with the music director at UAA at the time because she was in the opera department, and they had sworn to me that I could stay with jazz, which was like not my actual favorite thing, but it's what I'd sang through high school. I was like, at least I like like this, you and know,
0: you understand it. And by
2: it? year two, she was like, we're only going to keep you if you were reading like and do opera as well. And I was like, I hate opera. It's like mad talented y'all, but like not for me. And so Have I you
1: tried contacting I put, the alternate. I put Kyle my foot Redding. down.
2: I put my foot down and told the entire jury, "Thank you, but no, thank you." And wrote a letter and was like, oh "I'm my. moving." I was like, "I'm moving to Portland and starting my music career." Bye, <laughs> bye. Oh
0: wow! So opera would be that would be a that huge was step from jazz to opera. I feel like
2: I just didn't. I, it's one of those things like the amount of vocal control and training, like there's, n- I'm not talking shit on the, it as an art, but for me, like the style and the level of vibrato, when weird. you're training that into your voice, it is so difficult to turn that off and on. Oof. And I just was like, I'm not going down that path, dude. I'm trying to be a folks, like I want to be like a folk yeah. star. <laughs> yeah. I was like jazz is already like me, like kind of just pushing outside of that to like yeah. stick within like that accepted, you know, kind of classical at that point, you know, it was considered a, a genre that was like, you know, study worthy Mm -hmm. and it but it was still on that edge. So yeah. Anyways, that's how I ended up at UAA West Hall baby
1: where Kyle was where I was. Now let's
0: get back into the story. Yeah.
1: So Christian Kyle went to college after Christian school my whole life. And so this is where debauchery was introduced to me for the most part. Yeah. And I, we haven't really talked college that much on this podcast ever like my college experience. Because yeah, we just say like, my,
0: my college experience. Right. I went to Christian college. So. Right.
1: We yeah. always talk about like late twenties and thirties and now, but yeah. we never like go back that far because we didn't share that together. Yeah. You and I did. And so um, let's get into it. Yeah. We it's a really weird scenario because a lot of the people that are in the music scene in Anchorage currently were in college with us, I feel like. A lot of people I wouldn't say a lot. The people that I still talk to in the music scene are like, I went to college with you so many years ago. Yeah. And what comes to mind is Josh Olson, Kevin Wolgamuth. I'm mm-hmm. um, trying to think who uh, the the guys I was in the band with, men, I still
0: keep in touch with. They're not
1: really doing yeah. music anymore. Yeah. If you, if they, you, they went out on a high note. Is you know? it, if
0: this is your first episode, Kyle was in a band called Men, which stands for Musically Excited Nerds. Just, I love yeah. throwing that out every once in and a while. We I was one of them. the
2: original yeah. Men fans.
0: Ooh, One of did the you make a shirt and stuff
2: I don't know if there was a t-shirt involved, but like I was definitely I, I was there. I was there in like the create like during the creation phase mm-hmm. and the the I would call it the heyday the men like the heyday, of, the heyday of men
1: Yep. practicing with the hoons at our men house oh the, the hoons. hoons back in the day wow. we had we had this house called the men House, which I have to say was pretty pretty legendary in some ways on for college kids at the time if you were in the music scene. Because it was like a place you could come that was five guys living there playing music. Yeah. And you could come party whenever you wanted. That was where the after parties always were. And there's me drinking my water or my Diet Coke or <laughs> yeah. something like that. I was the biggest buzzkill I think ever.
2: I No, I mean, well, first of all, you just admitted to me that the men house is what changed you. You it, got You it, it got introduced. You got taken, me. It introduced yes. you to the dark side. But I also want to like tell people like Dark when we're talking thing. about this because like they don't know how freaking old we are. That's This true. era of the UAA Men House uh, West Hall, we all a bunch of us started in West Hall and then became that's how like we all became buds and in the music scene and creating music together. And then when the the Men House like kind of that became that era. That's like 2006 2000, to 2008 yep. at the latest, right? Like somewhere around that somewhere there, like in sure. that little window. Which by the time you guys had created the men house, I'd actually already moved to, to Portland. Portland. Mm-hmm. But when I came back, I would always like make my stops over at the men house, say hey to the, like, what's up? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was this. Just it, it was Jason's parents owned the house, but they let all the men stay there. The men, <laughs> the, the, the band stay there. Essentially, the we were we were children. <laughs> we were literally children, children that like there was no men. I'm here. pretty sure Jason's brother was 21, so he bought all the alcohol oh, yeah. for everybody. And it was just the sorry Jason's brother, we just say that. Like, yes. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, wee, he could care less. Wee. That was not new. Um, I do remember the cops getting called and them somebody opening the door for the cop, which we were like, Don't open the door. And so we all run downstairs and we all play hide and seek from the cop, right? He comes downstairs <laughs> to a pitch black room with a flashlight and he finds each one of us one by one. <laughs> Chill again, children. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there was just so many memories like that in the house. You
0: think he had fun? You think he oh was having God. fun? God. <laughs> <laughs> where are you? He's where me. Are, <laughs> where are you? Yeah, there was just
1: a lot of, I remember my, I had a guitar that had men on it, right? I just,
2: sorry, I just, like, can we just acknowledge, like, the level of white privilege in that story? Holy oh, shit. Wow. Holy shit. We, yeah. we did
0: not get beat. That is for got sure. away or with shot. It. Got yeah. away with it. You got actually,
1: to hide in the dark. I actually no. got, he was like, have you been drinking? And I said, everybody's like, that guy doesn't drink. And I was like, that, that's true, officer. A hundred percent. I have my Bible oh my right gosh. here. And he's like, you need to put as many people in your car right now as you can and drive them home. And so I made like three trips to drive everybody home. It was, it was yeah. stupid.
2: I like it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Good job, Tom. I mean, just like, he's just like, get these people, these children home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a short detour. But so you went to, to Portland essentially to pursue the music.
2: Yeah. So basically, you know, I had this little existential crisis halfway through my freshman year because I was like super excited about this, you know, opportunity to, to, be full ride there and and get that support. But I also like ha- like basically by being at UAA, I realized that for one thing, their musical program was in like the requirements you had to meet to be a music major. There it was really intense. It was a guaranteed, like it basically took five years. Like even if you were cramming it in, like I took 18 credits, like my first, my literal first <laughs> like semester of freshman year because I was trying to like make the math make sense. Again, I like to stay busy. We'll, we'll get back to that, <laughs> I know, Stephen. But I was gonna
0: say my eyes just, my <sighs> eyebrows went up. Like, yeah, dang. yeah.
2: And of course, I That's graduated early, so I was only seventeen. Everyone else was eighteen. I was seventeen. I was just mm-hmm. like trying to just like, I just wanted to like get through everything. I was sure. like, let's just get, get on, this out right. I just it wanted and- to get out into my life and start yeah. my career but at that time i was still convinced mostly because my parents were like um we've been saving your pfds and like half of your paychecks from the store like your entire life like you have to go to college right and i was like oh, fine and then um basically yeah when i it, when it got word to me through my jazz instructor that 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 there was this big like to do about that i was going to be forced to at least partake in the opera program I got really frustrated and mm. then I was like like fuck this I'm going to just go out okay, on my Portland. own and yeah basically I was just like I'm writing songs like I'm plunking on a piano like I don't need this place and then I was like I'm going to learn how to play guitar and show all you people and I wrote them a stern thank you but I'm roll. not coming back letter <laughs> Give them the horns. to the music mm-hmm. uh, board and yeah so I finished out that year kind of half-assedly and uh And then fall of 2006, I moved to Portland.
1: You're literally the third musician we've sat down and talked to from Alaska that moved directly to Portland. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I know it's not uncommon, but a lot of people probably outside of Alaska don't think like moving to Portland strictly for music if you're in maybe the East Coast or something. But that's almost the nearest hub besides Seattle. And, and
2: both of them and like and if you look at like the time frame there were just different things happening sure. right like i would say like seattle had already had the first big rush kind of like of the group of people like just in the few years older than me mm-hmm. that seattle was still the place to go um especially some of them were like kind of more like folky and like a little bit older so like you had uh, there was definitely like a contingent of like the alaska musicians in seattle but portland it was like, right in the heyday in mean, 2006 mm-hmm. it was like Portugal the man had just started as, you know, they had moved from being oh, a man, see, how yeah. the ghost and down there and established, and then they established themselves as Portugal the man. That was happening. There was some buzz about it. Everyone was really excited. Um, basically like 18 people that I knew had all like within a three month time told me they were moving to Portland. And I was just like, fuck it. I'm moving I'm to behind, Portland. Yeah. I was like, I'm going. Let's go. And so, yeah, it was, <laughs> I, it was like my first adult boyfriend. He and I, we caravaned. My brother was going to Seattle for um, grad school, so like we all caravaned down through like uh, Canada, down oh, the Alcan, God. and it was such this like it's so nuts now thinking about the amount of driving and like traveling I've done. But that trip was like. Legendary. We had like the actual Alcan book, you know, like we had
0: the milepost, oh, yeah, the and, mile we were, post. and we were like
2: following it, you know, exactly, mm-hmm. and yep. like seeing all this stuff. And
0: you always do that your first time on the Alcan.
2: It feels, and it's as you should. Yeah. it's like it's it is a yep. pretty grand and epic adventure. I mean, I just redid it in a totally different way in in 2019, and not with the milepost, but you know, like yeah. it's still it's still
0: pretty. It's an interesting my, drive. It that, is an interesting. My drive. so my I mean, uh, quick story, really quick. My first time up was with my parents and my parents listened to this. I love you, mom and dad. But they were told before we left that they could see Denali from <laughs> the Alcan. Okay. They didn't realize like where or when it was and so every time we passed a mountain that looked big. Do you think yeah. that's it? We No, no, no. We stopped and they took pictures.
2: Just in case. <laughs> Just Seriously. in case it was. And <laughs> then get
0: in front of the mountain again. We got to do another p- family so, picture. I
1: so,
2: mean, let's be real. They were not calling it Denali. They were calling it Mount McKinley. Mount
0: McKinley. That's true. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we, we drive time. another 20 minutes and then be like, well, that one's bigger, and then we all get out again, take pictures, and yeah, that oh man, that drive, a lot of memories, a lot of memories. <gasps> Honey, I don't know, that one's looking pretty big. I think we need to pull over again. <laughs> that's exactly how it went. Man, but that, that
1: one over there to the right's a little bigger. Well, too. gee, darn it! <laughs> oh my god, that's kind of funny. that's really hilarious. It's just yeah. like
2: thinking about where you were, you're just like. Yeah, they just keep getting bigger, guys. Yeah, like this is how it yeah, works. Like yeah. if you look at the direction and like the line you're following, like that's you we're stopped at the a base lot. Of
0: this big you one. stopped a lot. Oh, yeah. we did. I think it, eventually it was like uh, took them three months I, to get. We probably here. got <laughs> it. They we probably got McKinley, and we're let's keep going. Yeah, so it was it was crazy. So you're driving down the Alcans.
2: Yeah, and so it's on this. You know, I just think about it. It was like this epic thing. I mean, at that time. Anchorage was the biggest city like I had driven in, you know, like it was like oh, I was lucky man. as a kid. I, I my parents, you know, we had enough enough money that we got to travel. Like we usually got to do like a vacation like once a year, which was a big deal for just any Alaskans. Typically. A lot of times it was like to see family because I have two Wascilla,
0: older. <laughs>
2: oh, you say that I was I never went south of Anchorage until I was an adult.
0: Oh, wow. Spring break in Fairbanks.
2: It was like not on (laughs) my... That was like, for whatever reason, like... From Anchorage on, not on my parents. I don't even know what's down there. I didn't. Do not go south. I didn't. I even asked them. I was like, what did you guys have against, like, the freaking Kenai Peninsula? They're like, nothing. We just, like, our time in was really limited, so, like, we went where the family was, and Mm -hmm. if we weren't, we were going out of state, which was a really big deal, because we wanted to show you kids, like, other things, so it was either, like, Disneyland, or, like, we went on a road trip where we, like, went to the Four Corners and did, like, you Mm -hmm. know, everything from the Grand Canyon, or we went to see, we had two older siblings from my mom's first marriage who were already, like, out living their lives. And so we would go to where they lived and, like, see them and spend time with them. So that that was kind of, like, our big trips. I did get to do a couple of epic school trips when I was still in Sleep mute that I tell people. I'm, like, literally changed my entire life. Like, What's one? Uh, getting to go to this mock law competition.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> I
2: can't even get into the story. Bro,
0: that is not what I expected. <laughs> I expected, like, Disneyland or something. No, no
2: we, but the cool thing about it is we got to fly to D.C. and be there for, like, Eight full days, and oh. our teacher was so like, he was from the East Coast and he had gone to law school. And this was like, he was on his big, like, Alaskan adventure kind of before he went for, to take the bar and like settle yeah. down. And he wanted to just show us so much. I mean, which was an amazing thing. He just was like, these kids, like, they know nothing. So he, like. (laughs) They're literal. Dumb idiots. (laughs) (laughs) They know nothing. It was four of us. And we lied and said I was a freshman. I was only in eighth grade, but I wouldn't have been able to compete. And so we said I was a freshman. And I got to go. And it was me and my brother who had at least traveled outside of the state before, but the two other kids had never been outside of Alaska. Like they'd only ever been to Anchorage, was like the you know, most civilization they'd ever experienced. So we're in DC doing this competition, but also going to eat at all. Like we had Indian food. We went to the zoo. Like we got to do stuff. Like our minds were blown. Then one day he's like, This is gonna seem really kind of crazy, but we're gonna do it. And you guys are gonna thank me for this later.
0: We're robbing a bank. (laughs) I knew you were going to say something. I was like, what's he going to say next?
2: No, way cooler than that. All way right. co- How about you get cooler. cooler than that? No, this dude wakes us up at like 4 a.m. with Krispy Kreme donuts. None of us have ever had a fucking fresh donut in our lives.
0: Oh
2: my And gosh. then it says, get in the van. We're going on a road trip. <laughs> Drove our asses up to New York City for one full day. In <gasps> that day, took us to like Wall Street, took us to all these things, took us to oh. um, took us to a Broadway show that night, and then stayed up Jeez. for like 24 hours and drove us back to our hotel. And so, as a 14 year old from a village, I was walking around in New York and like literally a buzz with like the like, energy there. You're
0: not like, and I was
2: like. <sighs> This is where I'm going to live one day. I'm going to live here one day. Like, this is the oh coolest thing gosh. I've ever seen. Like, this <laughs> is everything. This is everything. And just, like, completely shifting my, like, just actual, when people are like, oh, mind blown. I was like, no, really? My mind was so that blown is, that is very mind by blood, the energy. I And it was all just because this guy gave a shit. You know, he was just like, hey, man, I got him this far. Like, why not like take him up for a full day to New York? Shout
0: out that guy. Well, yeah, shout out that guy. His name is Justin
2: Stringfellow. I'm still friends with him. He's a badass, has an amazing family.
0: He could have just been like, yeah, we're going to go to New York City. That's cool. But the Krispy Kremes, man. That just takes it to a whole nother well, level. Get those, you got to get sugar in those kids quick. <laughs> yeah. you know, they got to wake up. Let's
1: go. You guys yeah. ever hear of no, coffee? I mean, I mean it's,
2: <laughs> what's so crazy yeah. and like anyone that grew up in villages, like or as we call it, you know, if you're out in the bush, like you, you understand that like opportunities had everything to do with who your teacher was and how mm. long they stuck around and like, were they motivated or were they just kind of there to like get a little bit of experience and get the hell out and get mm. on like with living oh, where they man. wanted to. Right. Sure. And my mom ended up being one of those, like, long-termers. She didn't mean to, but it's just between... My dad really liked it out there, blah, blah, blah. But we had these handfuls. And even though Stringfellow wasn't there for a long time, he just really gave a shit. And from the moment he and his wife showed up, like just made us feel really special and like we like that we deserved like all of their attention and all of their like energy and like she did like dance classes with us even though it was like i mean what you know but then at like the spring recital or whatever we like showed our little dances that we'd learned which were pathetic but like it was something they realized like you have to give these kids something to like look forward to you have to give them something to like mm-hmm, do cool. and to feel like they have just like to strive for and it literally, like, it makes such a difference Yeah. in your day-to-day life. When I mean, you're,
0: here we are, how so, many years later, and you're still talking about talking about this, this couple. Trip. And this couple, like, I, oh. I feel like they, you know, they made such an impact. It, they that, That's why I'm telling
2: people, I'm like, it yeah. changed my life. And I luckily, like, I'm still in contact with them. I've watched their kids grow up. Like, when they moved there, they only had, like. They were on, they had just had their third baby and they ended up moving back to Utah. They have a huge family and like, they're just the nicest people. And like, you know, Facebook, one of those things that's really cool for that. Like, yeah. and like a couple of times I've been, I've played in Salt Lake City and they've come to see my show and like, I got to like see some of the kids and like, just like, but mostly Ooh. it's just in the internet land, but I can just see that they're out there still doing awesome stuff. Yeah, Those yeah. Kids, kids, kids doing crispy awesome cream stuff.
0: every day <laughs> probably. <laughs> Jesus, I'm jealous. You said he's a lawyer. Yeah. I'm calling him if I ever. Um that's the one I'm going to. Well, Kyle, I got a good defense and here's a case. Bring me cream. a Krispy Kreme before we're I go gonna, to jail. <laughs> I'm saying we're gonna get you out of this case, bud. Are you gonna take me to we're New gonna, York City? <laughs> we're gonna go to New York City. Let's go. Let's go. The prisons there are
1: great. Yeah. This is my dream.
2: Oh man. <laughs>
1: That I mean, that is that is pretty awesome because, you know, you hear about teachers and it's like always one person in somebody's life that makes a difference, hopefully. I mean, it doesn't happen for everybody, but it's like so simple to be just a single person mm-hmm. and know that if you affect somebody in certain ways, you could change their whole outcome of life. And that's, yeah.
2: and that's what was huge. I got really lucky with a bunch of them. Like yeah. Susan Hubbard, who was the other like main teacher that like she was the one that was stayed there. She stayed there longer than even my mom did, but like... They were the two main people there for a good long time. So that was, like, who was, like, my my elementary school teacher. And she was so... She just was super loving and always created, like... She was having us do plays and all of this stuff. So, I mean, she really... Everyone saw that musical like Love in Me and mm-hmm. they made sure that as as limited as it was they they were trying in every way to like to nurture That's
0: cool. it. That's really cool. And
2: so it's like between Susan and then what my mom, you know, just having my mom be who she was who she's just a magical person and then with you know, stringfellow and teachers like that and then I moved into Palmer and then I had Stan Harris like who literally like I mean from Old the Stanimal. time Dude, Stan Holm Stan Holm like He's a literally he yeah. did so much for me. I mean, yeah. this is a man who would show up and do, you know, do my demo tapes for not just all state but all Northwest. Like at, you know, six in the morning when oh, he had time because wow. he played piano on it, so we could record an actual little, you know, yeah. cassette tape and send it in, which, which you had to your do first at the time, time recording. Exactly. Well, I, no, because my no. brother and I did bedroom pop, bedroom pop when I was like thirteen. Mm. BP.
1: Yeah. Mm. Everybody <laughs> does You'll that. BP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't think anybody's caught it that, but okay. Yeah, I used uh, to do bed pop. Ye old BP. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's cool. That's cool. But w-
1: yeah, w- one thing I really want to hear about is the park songs. Like, I want to hear kind of the the cliff notes mm-hmm. on that.
2: I love this. You were like, we're gonna be stuck on sleep mute, and then we're gonna go to yeah. now. Literally, PS. here we, were we are. On BP.
1: Now we're on PS. We are now
2: 17 years yeah. into your actual uh, <laughs> professional career. Great. Uh, yeah. Park songs is, I don't know. I like what what I'm doing with park songs because also it's continuing, by the way. It's this weird project that I just keep finding like different branches of it to like work on. Um,
1: Explain it to in a nutshell. So what it park, park songs is.
2: is a multimedia project that started out as me just going on an epic road trip with my partner to national parks. And I challenged myself to write and record little snippets and any kind of like inspiration i felt specifically mm-hmm. by being in those spaces i just said just try to, try to capture some some aspect of it that you could maybe revisit and maybe mm-hmm. something will come out of it that was the original challenge and it was i like i didn't overdo it i didn't like there wasn't like a ton of me in every park you know trying to pick get the guitar out and like yeah. for something it just a lot of it was came in poetry i took a ton of photos which i'm not a photographer but just I just was capturing like the trip the best I could. Um, and then we came back. Uh, the trip ended up being this awesome 30,000 mile, like went to over 30 national parks, lived in the wow. back of our truck. And towards the end of it, um, I had to take a, I took a break and met up with my bandmate Brian and we went to do a European tour that had been on the books for a while. Okay, So we went over there for five weeks and I met back up with my partner Spencer in Phoenix where his mom lives now and he was there with the truck, and it was basically, as we were leaving Europe, it was the end of February, it was becoming very, like, evident, at least in that part of the world already, that, like, something very serious was happening, Right. and so, getting back, we, luckily, were already on, like, the, you know, we were from Phoenix at that point, we were basically making our way through parks over the west coast, and then up, and then we were going to come home, so we didn't really cut off, like, that much of the trip, but, probably about three weeks earlier mm-hmm. than we would have avenged or like had thought we would be um, because we just were listening to NPR constantly. And as we got closer to the West coast and we hit Yosemite and luckily we still got to do this like really beautiful weekend in Yosemite When my brother and his wife came over and met us. They lived at the time they were in the Bay area. But yeah, we basically we hit that West coast and I was like, we need to get home like as soon as possible. They're going to close. Yeah. I kept telling him I was like they're going to close the Canadian border. And he was like, what? That's They'll like, never. he's do. like, he literally was like, that, that seems a little much.
0: That, I would have been with him and been like, because I that was literally, because we both go to Burn and Bloom. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: and I think that's probably how I've gotten to know you a little bit more yeah. over the last two years. Yeah. But I remember going to Burn and Bloom because we had Elisa Marie on here. And I remember going and being like, this old COVID thing? This ain't going to fly. They're not going to do anything. It's going to be gone here in a week or two. Just let's keep going. And yeah, so I was with him being like, nothing's going to happen. Borders aren't going to close.
2: Yeah. It wasn't like that he didn't think anything was going to happen. He just was like, that seems a little extreme. right?" And for me, I was just like, I just traveled. Like I had to travel from another country. Like I saw what was already kind of starting to like feel like, you know, there were signs everywhere. People were like more and more people wearing masks. It felt very like, unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And it was just for me, the fact that the epicenter at that point was in Washington state. I was like, we have to go through Washington state or we have to avoid it entirely and go like go into Canada somewhere else. But I was like, if at any point they're going to close on the border, it's going to be right there. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, it was, it was well, at that time, like what we thought its was its like raging. First,
0: the first, you know, uh, cases was in Seattle or it had just dropped in or how, how was that?
2: It was one of the first, it was the first major case. I believe that was actually like found was yeah. there in Seattle. And then of course, like, By that time, a bunch of other people ended up, you know, also having been like affected, but um, and it was like right before, you know, the horror that was New York, you know, that that soon followed. But so at that time, you know, it was all eyes on Washington State, and so yeah, I just kind of had this feeling. I was like, nah, we got to get like, I want to, I would do not. I was like, I do not want to be. I love you. I love. I love this like awesome six-month adventure we just did, but I was like, I want to be home if, like, yeah, the world happens. is ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very smart. And very smart. So, yeah, we, like, we cruised up, but Park Song's kind of, like, saved my, saved me and my sanity. Like, um, yeah. we, we got back literally, like, on the day of lockdown. Mm-hmm. So, we quickly went and bought groceries and then went into our empty house and, you know, we hadn't seen any of our friends or our community or, like, my parents and stuff and it was just, like, do not go anywhere, don't do anything. And it was kind of intense because A, I'm really good with money, but like this was like a once in a lifetime like trip that we were doing. So I'd kind of let us like dip into the savings a bit more than I usually yeah. would have, but we were both gonna come home and like it was gonna be a busy get season for work. him. He he works in the bike world. It was like, great, it's busy season for you. I had all these like shows lined up. I was like, I'm just gonna hit, you know, all those shows that sometimes I say no to, I'm gonna say yes to all of them, just yeah. like fill the coffers get, back up and kind of get get, money. get caught up. Well, no, uh, it was like, and my other form of income is I own a property that I run as an Airbnb. And so it was like in one fell swoop, it was like, you have no source of income and you're a gig worker. And so we are thinking about how to make unemployment work for you. Maybe we have to create a system first. So (laughs) the weirdest thing, it was like super in our favor. In some ways, Spencer did work at a bike shop and so they ended up being considered a necessity. Right for, tra- you know, part of the transportation thing. And so he still had work, which was huge. So we, you know, we weren't completely broke, yeah. but it was also just really shitty because then he was working these like 12 hour shifts and I was just like at the house by myself. This is also before we adopted dogs.
1: Okay, yeah. Mm. So picture that-
2: me by myself, just come off this epic fucking adventure, yeah. but really missing all my people in and Anchorage and my community. Lonely. I was so lonely and sad. And also terrified. I was like, "Mm." yeah, because I am. I'm like the anxious one. I'm like, nope. If they're saying everyone is gonna die, like everyone I know and love is gonna die, yeah, that's how it's happening. Very similar. And so, yeah. But silver lining, y'all. He came home one day from that job, and I said, I need a dog like today.
1: (laughs) I need something (laughs) smart. And so
2: we got onto ARF and found our little uh, senior citizen Pomeranian toothless dog (laughs) named Chevy. (laughs) (laughs) Called about Chevy, and they're like, fun fact. Not... He's a biter. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with no teeth. Yeah. yeah. It's like, lucky Uh, you. That's the good news. (laughs) Lucky you, good news. Biter, no teeth. He's a gummer. There's definitely some gumming. There was some gumming in the first days. Um, But no, his little sis we didn't even see her picture. And so they go, well, he's actually soul bonded. So like, it's not like required that you take this other dog. And I'm thinking they're going to say like, oh, some giant dog or like this really sick dog that like has all these special needs. And I was like, oh God, what kind of dogs? And they're like another toothless Pomeradian mix. I was like, sign me up. <laughs> I'll say, I was like, I will meet them immediately. <laughs> and so now I have fur babies and their names are Sarah and Chevy and they are oh, six it. and eight pounds and I can carry them both Four under one arm. No teeth combined. No teeth. No, zero, they're zero teeth. They're zero teeth, teeth combined. Zero for zero. Her <laughs> tongue is, his is like a little out. Hers is ridiculously out at oh, all times. She has like very oh, little oh, tongue so control and she's it. just like permanently a, a little. A, soft a, food all the time. I, yes, I slurry their food. They just, they get like tiny puppy or tiny dog food and then I put hot water on it before a little bit before they get to eat it.
0: Oh, cute. I love them already.
2: So they saved my life and then I was getting to finally back to Park Song. So basically I had put in for a Rasmussen Fellowship Bef- pre-pandemic, pre right? Like it yeah. was like the, requ- I think it was like due by the end of January, somewhere in there. I like, or at least that's when I knew I had time to, to work on it before this, that European trip. So and, I just and like-
0: tell the people what the Rasmussen.
2: Yeah. So the Rasmussen Foundation is amazing. Um, they do all kinds of, uh, philanthropic work but they do especially like they have one part of their entire foundation focuses on the arts and they do these individual artist grants Mm -hmm. um and there's different tiers of them uh the project awards i had gotten one some years back uh which was huge it was the way i was able to go and like tour europe the first couple of times um and then it had been some years you have to take a certain amount of time off from applying if you're if you are awarded a grant and then Uh, The middle tier is called a fellowship and it's a a substantial amount of money that's supposed Mm -hmm. to help you basically. It's for someone who's already established in their career. It's basically supposed to give you like a very, very meager bare bones salary so that you can focus on whatever project you're currently working sure. on. And so that's what I had applied for because I was, like, I fit all that criteria and I was mm-hmm. super stoked about this mm-hmm. weird, I was like kind of starting to write some songs already about parks and I was like, this could be a thing. And I was like, I could like include like this little book that's almost like an extended liner notes with mm-hmm. all these photos and poems and blah, blah, blah. So I just start pop, writing pop, it. Pop, I just, pop, pop, yeah, I pop up pop and I'm just and writing them into a grant application sent it off, went off on this epic tour and then forgot about it, and then thought the world was ending. And so when I get a call from Enzina uh, Marari, who was I had told. Like just forgotten that she was now working with them. I just know her as a friend and again as an artist. And she called me from her personal phone, so I'm just like, "Hey, man! Like people are just kind of calling these days, you know? Like catch up, catch up, checking in on everybody." I'm like, "Oh, that's sweet." And seeing us calling, you're the big winner. I'm just like, "Hey, like how's it going?" Blah blah blah. And then she goes, "Well, I'm actually calling on behalf of the Rasmussen Foundation," and I dropped the phone, like, not kidding. This is like, maybe I'm just dramatic and ridiculous, but it was such a big, it had such a big impact. Just, I knew what she was about to say and I just like fell to the floor, just like, Ugly crying. Luckily, it was her, and she knows me because I was just so. I was like, I realized what it
0: was. And then she picks. Yeah. You pick up the phone. She's yeah, like, you we did we, you, you actually didn't get, get it. <laughs> didn't
2: get it. <laughs> like, ah. No, luckily I've been applying those long enough to know they don't call
0: you. If yeah, you, yeah, you didn't get, get it. it. Sorry, <laughs>
2: and, but it was crazy. Like it was like knowing that we weren't going to foreclose on one of the properties, knowing that I. Mostly, it was like the validation that, like, yeah. I wasn't totally crazy that to be like, I'm gonna make a book. I've never done that, but like, I make songs. I'm Fuck pretty yeah. good at that. So Fuck like, yeah. and they were like, Yeah, no, we're this is we really like it, and so. Between that and the little dogs, that's basically, like, 2020 was, I was, like, I have something to focus on, yeah. and I have these two little dogs, like, I have to get out of bed and, like, take them on Do their walk.
0: something, yeah. And so. Got an income coming in.
2: Yeah, that was huge. I basically, yeah. what I did for myself, so I just made it, like, a monthly, I basically gave myself a monthly stipend, and that's what, like, I just split it into that over a 12-month right. period. So I was able to just, like, nope, the bills are paid, like, this is paid.
0: Nice. And it, awesome. it
2: saved me. That, like, saved my ass. Yeah. And saved a one of my properties so that when things did finally go back to
0: so now 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 you have the time to work on this project park songs and you're writing songs about parks and you have this idea for a book and all this other stuff there it's like a multi uh what i like to say is like multi-disciplinary right because there's like a lot of disciplines that i'm sure you had to go through and had to learn like you said yourself you've never done a book Never written a book. Yeah. Photography wasn't your photography wasn't you thing, thing per um, se. Yeah. It was I'm, more of a hobby.
2: Yeah. I'm a hobbyist at all of these things. I mean, I went yeah. to school for po- for creative writing. So the poetry thing is like, well, Emma, like you put them out in song form, like it, but it's still, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a weird vulnerable thing. And it's, you know, it's not like a book book. I didn't write a book. That's it. That sounds way cooler. Um, Uh, Don't
0: sell yourself short. Well, no,
2: I'm just telling people, like, it's really more of it's like, it's this, you know, it's this, I really think of it as like a really cool extended liner notes. It's just like, it's a ton of photos. I ended up, when we were in Europe, I just, again, like a challenge. So I was like, I'm going to write a haiku about every park we've gone to. And so I did. And so in every park that's in the book, it has like the little haiku. And then I went around and like, you get the little like national park, like passport book and like you get the stamps. And so I like scanned in all my stamps and that's like the ones that I got, that's in there. And then, um, yeah, some inspired longer poems and a lot of those got turned, some of those poems got turned into songs. So it's basically, there's a digital album of 11 songs that is called park songs. And then there was within the same project, you do not have to digest them together, but there is the book form of park songs, which can be purchased in physical or digital form. Um, that is, that is that. That's, it's a collection of in the order of the parks that we went to, um, just little snippets, both in like photo- in photos and poems and a few essays and uh, little like, yeah, little like a little pieces. Nice package. Little, yeah, it's piece, beautiful. little pieces of the trip. I love it. Um, mostly because I realized You know, a lot of people might not ever do anything like that or have always wanted to do something like that. And maybe seeing just like a normal person who's not a professional photographer just be like, I I went and did these really beautiful things. Here's like actual proof. And I am a songwriter and I feel pretty great about that. But these songs are like not at all like my normal songs. Like I just let myself also for a creative person, I just kind of gave myself permission to do whatever I wanted on that project. Love that. And as someone who's made 10 studio albums, like it was really refreshing. Yeah. When I said, I want to record this live around a campfire in Denali. There was no one to be like, that's probably not. That's going be be to be a little low fi don't you think? I was like, I don't care. I really give zero fucks. That's bucks. the point. You I give zero fucks. I was like, doing. I'm going to have a handful of cool people around a fire. And I'm going to set up one microphone. And I'm going to sing these songs and yeah. tell the stories. And that's going to be the album. Oh, I love that. And that's the album.
0: So. But see, I feel like that's. Yeah, the book the 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 music I feel like you're making like a soundtrack to parks but also I think like a soundtrack to your experiences and I think there's something beautiful about bringing other people into that arena and sharing these songs with them and then also sharing that moment with other people I think that's so cool so I tell- you're, you're just you're used to listening to like sorry you're used to listening to like music clean like, oh, you know what? Give it another take. You, you you ran that one a little bit, you know, too long or whatever. Yeah. And then it's raw and it's like human. And <laughs> I think COVID, you know, brought out some humanity, I think, with people. And so I think, of course, like this is putting a little bit of a human element into it, which I really liked.
2: Well, thank you. um I'm really glad. Yeah, I wanted it to be like as organic as possible, kind of like the whole yeah, thing. Organic. I
0: mean, That's a great word. Well, it's
2: just it. like... So I keep telling people, because guess what guys, you think that, that the project is is that. You're like, okay, you did an album, you did a book, like that seems like plenty of art to, to create surrounding yeah. this trip, right? No, then I decided we're gonna make a movie, because what, and it's not a movie of my trip, it's a movie of going into Denali National Park to create an album that was inspired by a 30,000 mile road trip, so it's, Weirdly, by the time we're making- Directed
0: by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> it's
2: crazy. <laughs> crazy, yeah. guys. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow.
0: Um,
2: no, I, again, out of my wheelhouse, I don't know anything about making a fucking movie, but I was like, you know what? You know what's cool about art is that when you're at this level of your career and you decide you give zero fucks about, like, the commercial element, um, you can use it for activism. And I've done, like, music for, like, mental health activism for years, but I was like- what about environmental activism? And I was like, these places are really sacred and there's all these spaces that like, if you don't remind people that they're there, if they have no connection to them, like why are we expecting them to feel at all responsible for like their preservation? Yeah. And so I was like, maybe I can do something with that. And then my friend was like, yeah, you should talk to so-and-so at the national park conservation association. They'll probably super stoked. And so I was like, really, I don't know what to say. They're like, just tell them what you just told me. So I did. And they're like, sweet. Can we, they're like, what's up with this movie? I was like, well, the we just filmed coming soon. We just we just filmed a bunch <laughs> of really cool shit in Denali and like me making an album. Like we filmed it while I recorded it. And they were like, "Sweet, you should make that into a documentary. We'll give you some money for it." I was like, "Okay,
0: <laughs> twist my arm, right?" <laughs> so, so now we're yeah. making a little
2: fun music documentary about the making of a record oh, inside that. of the heart of Denali. That's I love that. Eleven Park songs.
0: Very
1: sweet. So what that sounds like, kind of we we move on to like what's coming down the road a lot of times. And so obviously that is, is there anything else you mentioned kind of like the mental health activism? Like that's a big thing we talk about a lot on this podcast. And it seems to come up with a lot of the guests as well Is that now there's a lot of stigma removed from that, that we can talk openly about struggles and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So what is your, what's your part in the, the mental health, activism part.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to think I played a pretty big role in like being one of the people that when it was still very awkward to talk about mental health, especially in public and like, um, show situations, sure. I would just straight up be like, well, here's the thing. And I've been doing it for almost 10 years now of just being, especially with house concerts. Cause I do a lot of those. I switched to those primarily in t- 2010, even when I'm touring outside of the state, sometimes even out of the country. So you have this really intimate, small audience that has your full attention. And I basically finally was just like, you know, I have this tiny little platform, you know, I'm nobody, but like in these situations, they're listening to me. I should probably at least like remind people that if we don't talk about this, there will continue to be the stigma. And that's why we continue losing people to suicide at such a horrific rate. And so that's kind of where that activism started. I didn't really think of it as activism. I was just kind of like, I'm going to talk about that. I'm like, deal with a lot of Mm -hmm. depression and like, you know, that I'm bipolar more and just like, kind of be like, here I am, this is who I, you know, you say you love my music, but these songs are really fucking sad. And like, this is where it comes from. Like, you can like applaud me for being a hard on my sleeve songwriter, but if we're not going to admit like what the messages of those songs actually are, is like dealing with years of like severe mental illness and like my recovery surrounding alcoholism. And then finally dealing with, in a like professional medical way, you know, the thing that I was self-medicating with alcohol, which was my mental illness. So, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've been sober from alcohol, like, uh, we're coming up on six years in October.
0: Well, congratulations. Oh, thank you. That's right around the corner. I know. You know that's huge. I know.
2: Um, but, you know, so there was all of that happening. And I basically just realized that if I could be as transparent about everything that I was going through whenever I was in a public space, as awkward as it was in the beginning, I genuinely like, at least in our town, I feel like I played a part in it being okay to talk about. And, yeah. and I was worth it for me to be cool. really awkward <laughs> I know. to just be like, sorry, like I, you're in a bar and you think you're just here to like play music. And I'd have people come up to me like either thanking me or being like, you know, it's like, you oh, maybe or, like that, that was like out. a little too personal, like TMI. Yeah. And, and I was like, if it's not your bag, it's not your bag. But yeah. like, that's that's what, that's part of my show now. So like, that's just what it is. Like, I'm not just here to like sing you songs and like entertain you while you get drunk. Like I'm gonna talk about some real shit. Cool. Um, you don't have to like it. <laughs> you can leave. So, yeah, and since then I've done some really fun work with the local chapter of NAMI. I started a thing called SOS, Sound Over Silence. We did some fundraisers, which is all that money from those particular fundraisers goes towards suicide awareness and like different um, classes that you or me could go and take at a much discounted rate to basically deal, like to talk about suicide prevention, but primarily like mental health, like crisis mode, like how to deal with someone who's actually actively in a crisis mode. Cause a lot of times when we lose someone to suicide, everyone around them says, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. Right. And I just really wanted that to no longer be a thing. Like Uh. it's not our responsibility, but I want at least everyone to be equipped with the tools to be like, I did know what to say and I tried it or I did, you know, get them into a car and take them to like a hospital. I did yeah. all the things that I could try to do to make sure that they couldn't harm themselves. And it's not my fault that that still happened, but like I didn't just sit there because I've been that I've been that person. I've been both I've been on both sides of that. I've been the person that no one knew what to say <laughs> and I've also been the person that didn't know what to say. And It's Mm -hmm. fucking hard, and I don't
0: want it for anyone. Where can people, like, find out more about that stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, go in to check out our local chapter of NAMI.
0: Spell spell that.
2: um, N-A-M-I, and I'm pretty sure it's just NAMI.org. But the Alaska chapter here, they have so many resources. Like, there are everything from classes to um, group therapy to they can help put you in touch with different, like, resources, depending on, like, if you're financially challenged, um, like, just different things. Like, they're just there to, like, help help. Even if it's not you struggling, like just, you know, someone and you just help, like you need help, like understanding what resources are, are available. Because, of course, like in a large scale thing, we all know it, like our both our health system and our mental health system is uh, uh, horrific. Flawed. Both. It's very flawed. Yeah. Um. But it's, you know, and it can be really hard to like know where to start. So that was kind of the work that I did in that way, which I guess is, you know, when you think about the activism part of it. But yeah, it didn't really start. I don't think I was like, oh, I'm going to be an activist now. I think I was just like.
1: I um, need to get this off my uh, chest and so, so be I'm, it. Yeah, I'm yeah. just kind of like, I'm going to
2: talk about this because it's what I'm experiencing and you claim you want to know all this stuff about me, but, like, it's awkward, but it's but if the you, truth. I mean, yeah.
1: I think you would say if you could save one life just by talking about it, you would do it in a heartbeat like no matter how many times yeah. people said don't talk about it like exactly there's I always had, a reason i
2: had enough people come up to me and say like i needed to hear that tonight or i lost someone to suicide and i needed to hear that or i appreciate your like you know you just getting through the weirdness of that because yeah. it maybe one day it won't be weird and like it's getting less and less weird and that's great
0: yeah. i agree yeah i, I love f- that because i mean honestly like how i was saying we are two you know two guys white guys in our thirties and we're just now, I feel like being okay with talking about mental health. And I feel like that's fairly new for a lot of people, but I feel like the more we talk about it, the more we get okay with it. Mm -hmm. But also like, sometimes it can be a put off to some people. Right. And so like, but being okay with it is like, I think the first step. And so thank you for kind of like talking about it and being open about it for a long time, because I feel like you've definitely paved the way for, A lot of people who are just now being like, oh, there's a better way to deal with this shit. Like, oh, fuck. Okay, so that's really kind of cool. And I'm really stoked. And if there's any way we can kind of work together somehow and figure out how we can help what you're doing which I think is really cool.
2: I appreciate that. Yeah, I know there's definitely SOS is it's kind of has to work with like when it's something that Jason Lassard who at the time and for many years now has been the, ex, uh, the executive director over at NAMI. He's actually in a transition to another, another job, but he, he and I are, it's, it's our baby and we're going to continue on with it. It just is something that kind of happens cool. if we're lucky about once a year. Um, Cause it just, we, we work with, uh, there's a really awesome local group called M hats and they're, all youth storytellers that tell talk specifically about their mentee, like mental health and like uh, story so it's very intimate but it but they What t- is that? It's called MHATS, hats which I'm trying sitting here going I hate acronyms cuz then you're suddenly on the spot and I'm like what it's mental, mental health, health advocacy, it's like Like activism, but it's specifically, it's specifically for youth and it's, and it's actually, uh, it's like when you think about like things like the moth and like where you tell storytelling, like as an art form, they have to learn like that stuff, you know, the whole seven minutes thing and like they're really doing it. But it's all about mental health and they go into these places where they do it for other young people and you can get recruited. And so all of our SOSs have you like we've always created a platform for some of those kids to come in because our shows are always all ages. They can come in, tell the stories while bands are getting set up. And it's just yeah. So there's just a lot of ways that I mean, there's a lot of people out there doing really cool work at being like, especially with the young people being like, no. We talk about our feelings. Yeah. We Like this is important. This get is how used to it. Yeah. yeah, and I'm loving it. I every time I'm hanging out with like young people these days, I'm like, man, y'all got it. You all got it figured out. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's yeah. so nice. It gives me hope. It gives me hope for the future. Yeah. I'm like, they talk about their feelings. They don't. They think it's dumb to get super they fucked up. They actually communicate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, well, um, that's really cool, and I'm very excited. Um, what are you working on next? Music stuff. What's yeah, coming? What's the next show? When's the next show? Actually,
2: uh, well, this probably won't be out by then, but uh, I will just talk about. I do a monthly show tomorrow night um, in this current yeah. land. I'm doing a show, but I do it's a it's a monthly show I host called the Spinard Song Circle, and I host it out of the nave, which mm-hmm. is a really awesome um, all ages community art space. And I basically, you know, when we were talking earlier about like creating things you want to see in the community. And for me, we are really failing our young people right now as far as having um, venues and any kind of like shows for them. So I try to do this. It's a monthly all ages listening room show, which is another thing is unfortunately our current venues don't really support much listening room where you're just literally going to a concert to experience a concert. Um, So I combine those things and it's just me and two special guests songwriters every month month, and i just we just go in the round and i'm like you know what i've been thinking about lately blah 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 and then i was like that makes me think of this song and i sing the song and then they go they can there's no rules they can be like oh i have a song about that or they can be like that's dumb i've been thinking about this and go in a completely different direction but it sparks conversation and a lot of that conversation we you know we call it a safe space so it's a lot of this like we were very it allows people to uh talk a bit about their songwriting process but also just have some good conversations in a, in a listening room where cool. people put their phones away and actually just, we just chill for two hours <laughs> <Hell> yeah, <laughs> and dude. serenade them. So, uh, yeah. Um, check out Spinart song circle. I've got a Facebook page. And then if you just follow Emma Hill music, I'm where I'm posting about most
0: of my creative endeavors on Instagram, Facebook.com.
2: Yeah. Emma Hill music.com. um, As far as music though, I'm actually really excited for the first time, like since pandemic, my bandmate who lives in Portland, um, of many, many years, Brian Dest and I are working on these demos that I went down in February to Portland and and got into the studio and recorded Mm -hmm. these new songs that I've been, you know, writing over basically since 2019, um, which is when we put out our last record, like studio record. And so, yeah, we're doing these like weekly zoom meetings where we're doing production notes, like in real time together, which is what we would be doing. Like when we go out on tour, which is. Very weird that we haven't played a show together since, well, we were in Europe. We were in Berlin. The last time we played on a stage together was in Berlin on February 24th of 2020. Um, But yeah, so I yeah, we're kind of working on a whole new record of, you know, Park Songs is my weird little solo, (laughs) strange, multidisciplinary project. But yeah, no, as far as like the Emma Hill um, and Brian Das thing, we got some really cool songs being worked on and I'm excited to see where they go.
0: Well, we're very excited to see where you go, uh, and we are very appreciative <laughs> of you coming out. And, and we're gonna bring Krispy Kreme uh,
1: yeah. donuts next time we see you. Oh gosh, be like, so we're so going excited. to New York City. <laughs> yeah, we're getting get, get, in get in our van. Get in van. Put on the blindfold. <laughs> That was part of it too, right? Like uh, you did that.
2: Nobody get any creepy ideas. Don't yeah. just start showing up to places uh, with a van a of to like, in the van and a box of crispy Free <laughs> donuts. Eat, <laughs> eat this donut and get in the van. I will change your life. Uh, you tell yeah. anybody. Uh,
1: yeah. Make sure you know that person know. first. Know uh, that person. Consent. <laughs> Ask them. Yeah. You know. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Oh my okay, gosh. Okay, it wasn't a great idea. Okay, yeah, well, it probably won't have. Yeah,
0: that's uh well, thank you for <laughs> yes. taking time out of your busy schedule. Absolutely. And everything me. you're doing, yes. we're very excited I and don't know how you do it all, but but you do it. <laughs> you're multidisciplinary, you know? <laughs> I do you uh, just like that word. I do guess. like that word. Cuz like, it, it, it 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 like says everything <laughs> that you need to say in, you know, just a few syllables. So I love it, but I also love you, so thank you for everything you do and uh, we'll end it there. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. Kyle and Stephen will be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, check out GoFixYourselfPodcast.com. And remember to always go fix yourself.